Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. I'm I'm wait. What do I uh, skull? Just I'm I'm the skull man. Say it. I'm the say it. I'm man. the skull man. Get in there. <laughs> I grew up. I'm the skull man now. <laughs> the skull boy has. <laughs> Has hatched from his skull egg and is now a skull man. That's when we we learned that all along I was an egg, like the like the moon. You guys know that the moon's an egg, and someday it'll crack open and a thousand dragons are going to come out of it. I learned that oh, on Doctor the Who. Lord I dump. Think. This is a Lord dump. I, today, I, man. Yeah, and then they like leave one behind that becomes the new moon, if I recall. It's very yeah, silly. It's very silly. It's not. It's not one of the better <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> Is that really a Doctor Who story? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's wow. like a late, late Matt Smith, I want to say. Space dragons. And they're, the last one leaves another egg in its place. Anyways. None of it matters because Piccolo pay. destroyed the moon to keep Goku <laughs> from going Super Saiyan. Oh. We're, you're crossing over. Too, multiple you're crossing times. Over. Yeah. All moon, did you not know this? All moon lore is yeah. actually canonical with itself. <laughs> That was the secret moon okay. from Mistara. So two things. First, I think perhaps Dragon Ball Z is the only show with more episodes than Doctor Who. <laughs> and second, uh, did you guys you count all the versions? Yeah. Well, no, I'm, that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. Um, oh, and, yeah. and and then second, did you guys hear about this um, Native Americans and the Moon NASA story a few from a few weeks ago? I don't know, man. No, no, no. I Listen, so. I know. I like how what, you, I what? can tell Brad doesn't want to hear about this, but I, no. <laughs> I just think you're in, you're in, uh, you're in, da- you're in dangerous uh, yeah, we, ground. We, we tread dangerous waters. I'm just telling uh-huh. you a news story. How can this be dangerous? Basically, the basically, there is a, there's a yeah. moon, there's a moon mission, uh, like a, a mission to the moon, and uh-huh. um, that's, that's coming soon. And they plan. Is this NASA can you just, or some like private, like Kentucky backyard? Maybe I'll space tell you agency. if you okay. stop interrupting me. So there is this <laughs> NASA mission to the moon, and they are planning on bringing the ashes of some past astronauts to the moon and burying them there. And this has raised the ire of a, a, a number of tribes in the United States who feel that the moon cannot have corpses on it. Like that's not. The moon should not have the deceased person's remains on it. They and have like try and may basically tried to block the mission or try to block that aspect of it, uh, which I think is so interesting because if this were, for instance, like I don't know, a church telling the NASA, hey, that's against God or whatever, I would say, like, screw you, man. But for, you know, for whatever mm. reason, I am, when I hear the, the tribal concerns, I'm like, we should listen to them and make sure that they're, you know, I, there's, to me, there's no difference except for what has happened to one group versus the other. Um, but it's, it's um, mm. a very, it's a, this is, I'm just saying, this is a real story that is in the news and it, wow. it's just interesting that, that we're, I mean, it's fascinating. You know, absolutely. Okay. We're al- yeah, allowed. Corpses on the moon. I mean, it's kind cool. of, it's, it is a little bit weird to like want to be, be there. It would make me feel lonely. Yeah. I mean, is there, I guess there's like, if it's like a couple of you and your buddies are going to be on the moon forever, I guess. It's just sort of, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, couldn't we, couldn't we use that money for something else? I don't want to be that guy, but like, 
do we have to do we have to fly the spaceship to the moon? Well, to- that's not why they're flying it there. That's just part of their. Oh, it's oh, it's just part of it. Oh, then I don't care. I don't, yeah. <laughs> if it was like a special mission, I'd be like, come on, really? <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of like it's it's you know to me this is like Doctor Who fandom. It's like oh, I see you guys really care about this. I can't imagine myself caring about this. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm watching from a distance. You know. I mean, throw my bones in the river when I die. I don't care. You know, I'm not using them. I'd actually really like to be dragged into the woods and so that lots of mushrooms and stuff grow out of me. I think that would be cool. Sure. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm like, I literally don't care what you do with me. You know, prop me up in the yard. I don't, you know, I'm gone, you know. But other people care about what happens to their remains. Fine. Good for you. I can see that. You like Doctor Who? I don't know what's going on there. You tell me there's dragons are coming out of the moon. I'm like, you guys are into that? Okay, cool. There's a couple of good Doctor Who. I respect it. You know, it's just from where I'm at, I'm like, I can't imagine, can't imagine mm. caring enough to be like, my bones must go to the moon. But what if, I mean, but what if it was Steely Dan's bones that they were going to put on the moon? I mean, are they going to record, are they going to remaster Asia there? Once, you know, once <laughs> That's what it there? is. They're going to build a recording studio on the moon and remaster Asia. I mean, how does this benefit me? recording you know? studio. <laughs> and then they're going to make one copy of it and then they're just going to leave it on the moon. And so you have to go to the moon to be able to listen. This means cleaning up the vocals on the second arrangement demos. Like, okay, send the bones to the moon. I'm just yeah. trying to connect it with something that maybe you care about. I actually don't know enough <laughs> about your like out of our bubble interests. I, I go to Steely Dan a lot for you i feel like just because it's yeah something I, I know i guess you have to have interests in order to like take a stand about something we're trying to find what's what does brad care about that you could make an analogy famously have I mean, we found based it? on this have new, new year of uh the way you're talking kind of nothing outside of maybe you know, that's the, it you know maybe that's it uh, if i could just yeah. stop you both uh <laughs> impossible we haven't even announced it oh, we haven't even announced what we're reviewing today um, I know this is so silly. No, I, I, I do. Oh, I do want to add that it is a NASA-backed mission through a private company. Just to be clear, um, and secondly, that we are reviewing Destiny of Kings by Stephen Bourne. <laughs> it's a gamer blast from the past, y'all. Yes, gamer blast from the past. I think gamer blast from the past should be. I think. I think it should be a ska song. Oh yeah, okay. I think that's what we should do. It should be like a second wave. We should Scott get. Song. We should get Dolly. Yeah, do- find my trombone. Like the here toasters to do it. We should get Dolly. Do- Dolly and the llamas to do it. Do not talk about the name of my. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that's, your, that was your ska band. Did is that? Yeah, that's true. I, I guess I said that. I think I I I doxed myself with that. To to be fair, to be fair, there are no recordings or anything of that. So there's uh, no I think the on. only I think the only thing that exists is like something that I have on like a like a like a super eight tape. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, that's what we're doing. Gamer Blast from the past. I, so uh, okay. Well, yeah. So we are going to be reviewing N3 Destiny of Kings. Uh, but before that, let's welcome our recurring guest, Sam Amelli. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing pretty good. You know, just uh, really grinding on Instagram right now. That's my that's my game of choice. I'm I'm grinding levels on Instagram. You getting those little hearts? You getting those tappies? Tappy I'm, taps? I'm getting followers. It's a follow. Double it's, tapping. It's a follower game that you're going for um, on yeah. Instagram. I uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really squeezing in on 4K. So if anybody, ha- whoa, there, happy for you. Thank wow. you. Wow. Yeah, it's getting. Wow. I'm really looking for like those like the kind of numbers that I've realized are respectable on Instagram, which is just like 20K and up. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm that's what I'm gunning for right now because you got those big audiences, then they people want to buy things from you. But before that, ooh, they don't want to buy things ooh. from you. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh Instagram. That's a, it's a weird world, you know? It's that's a weird it's world. It's not there. great. It's I don't really I don't I I treat it very clinically. I drop a thing and then I yeah. walk away. Yeah. I'm not I don't really I'm not I don't really I don't have I don't know where I live there. I don't know how to work. You know, I know how it works, but I don't think I have, it doesn't it's not mine. It's not for me. Yeah. You know? I mean, like I don't know how to use it for myself. I like tapping on, you know, the bird accounts. I'm like, "Oh yeah, look at that Scarlet Tanager. That's cool. Double tap. Scroll down. Hey, look at that. A western metal lark. Looks good. I like Love you. I like the tap idea that you have a special app that's just rating birds every day. It's just I mean, it shows that's you what, a new bird every day and you're like thumbs up, thumbs down. It's like the thing that Facebook was built out of, but it's just is this bird hot or not? I think that's what Instagram is secretly that's what I discovered I like Instagram. If you follow a lot of bird accounts, you can just look at nice birds all day long. I'm like, oh, it's true. I, I I know a couple of bird photographers. Look at, I follow, ooh, I follow baby, them. It is it's baby good. toucans. It's good. Wow, look at that. Tappy tap. You know? You just gotta to avoid heart. the the content that's designed to make you mad. I've I've discovered that there's a lot of content out there that, l- uh-huh. regardless of whether or not the person is intending to do that, and sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. There's just a lot. You of stuff You think you do that to, a little bit? Me you're trying to no. irk, irk anyone's ire? No, I, huh? I, I engagement I, man. I used to do that kind of stuff, and now I just I just sort of put what I drew, and people come on, man, people love or hate, it's all passion. Sort right? of nice about it. One guy the other day on Instagram tried to get me to fall into a D's nuts joke trap, but uh, yeah, I know on. all of the D's nuts jokes, so he yeah. uh, was unsuccessful. You know, you know, yeah, you know both of those. Yes, I know, I know <laughs> both of those. <laughs> Enough. Let's just end it there. This is off to a roaring start. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, oh, dog. All, right. all right, so Gamer Blasts are when Sam Amelie joins us to review old school modules, typically from, you know, 1E, 2E era, but not exclusively. And uh, today is no different. Well, first, let's do our, our moot sack, where we take a question from our listeners. Let's ask, what's what we got in the, uh, the old mailbag rooney here? Let's read the question. Um, this time we have a question from Dulok3 from the Discord channel. How do you balance giving players enough information to make informed decisions, but keep things mysterious enough that the pleasure of surprise slash discovery is still prevalent? I find myself struggling with this a lot, perhaps because I remember as a kid that D&D seemed to be all about surprising the players. Of course, there was also a prevalent sense of antagonism between many DMs and players back in the day, which may have contributed more to a gotcha mentality as opposed to a pure surprise for pleasure one. So yeah, th- thanks for that question, Dulac. Um, uh, Sam, you're our guest. Why don't you take a stab at it first? Um, my advice for any of these things is uh, unfortunately going to live in the realm of um, mostly social interaction advice. Uh, my advice for this is like, if you're at the table and you say like the thing, right. The, like, like you walk into a cavern, uh, that is dark and smelly or whatever. And then your players sort of stare back at you like owls. It means that you need to keep talking. 
<laughs> and so you, every once in a while you pause and if somebody else starts talking, then you know that you've given enough information for them to sort of start asking all of their super cool questions about some detail that you accidentally gave that has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> this guy plays D&D right here. <laughs> That is how you play D and D. That's it's literally as far as as like in in terms of like gotcha D and D. Like I'm not into I'm not into gotching people because um, it's not usually fun for anybody. Uh, I like given the stakes and letting people make interesting decisions based on the stakes. A lot of times you got some people that are like really into like pushing the stakes and then you got people that like to play it safe and that method gives both of those people something to chew on okay and 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 do you what do you have to say about that uh brad how do you provide the balance uh-huh. between information to make informed decisions and mis- mystery yeah good qu- i mean um i don't I don't like when DMs yap all day about uh, about everything. I think there's a joy in uh, players asking questions. So I like to put a little some tantalizing tidbits, you know. Oh, you see some writing on the wall. And then players go, oh, what does the writing say? You know, oh, well, you know, it says this. You know, I think there's a kind of give and take there. I do think the question, though, is kind of informed by a certain uh, – uh, I think like information – withholding is kind of like poison that's been introduced by newer in newer editions of D&D like the perception check i think is one of the more um nefarious anti-fun yeah it's it's just that's it's it's awful i mean you know like you have to roll dice to find a a fact or some basic information that might move the the adventure forward i think that's that's awful. I think third edition did us a dirty with that one, or three point five rather. I which uh, I mean, well, it's it, okay. Yeah. What's well, I don't it. You can trace perception checks prior to third edition. I mean, from yeah, 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 to, yeah. Anyway, totally, uh, totally. Uh, anyway, I think uh, you know this shouldn't surprise anyone. In general, you should reveal and any information that can be revealed. You know. If a player says, do I see any, like, switches on the wall that might open a secret door? You can say, well, no, you don't see any, you know. But it might, you might say, oh, it's going to take you 10 minutes to find it. Do you want to spend resources to do that? I don't like being like, roll the dice, you fail, you don't find the, you know, I don't know. I just I just don't think that's a fun way to play the game. Let the players spend the resource to to learn what they can learn if there is something being withheld from them. Uh but um yeah, I, I think in general skew towards presenting too much information, uh, but in short, punchy ways that make them ask questions. Yochai, what do you think about that? I want to hear your answer now. Let's hear it from you. Okay, okay. Uh yeah, so I unsurprisingly am going to come fr- f- at this from a Chris McDowell level. Um, For those who don't know, there is a very famous blog post by Chris McDowell called The ICI Doctrine. ICI stands for Information Choice Impact. And I really take that style to heart, I think, when I GM games. Um, So the, the, the fundamental philosophy is that questions are a form of gameplay and Players should be allowed to ask basically as many questions as they want and expect answers as close to the truth as possible within reason, you know, within what's possible. Like, obviously, if just something behind the door, the GM isn't going to say what's behind that door. But the GM might 
give indications as to what choices the players could then make to find out the information that they're looking for. So with the ICI doctrine, you provide the characters with um, as much information as they could possibly detect within reason, assuming best intelligence and intent um, behind their actions or behind their um, from the, from their perspective. And then you provide the players with decisions to make based on all those limited and perhaps complete bits of information. Uh, finally, you also make each of those decisions count and that makes the questions have a lot more weight. You know, they determine whether you live or die. So in the example of I'm searching this burnt out warehouse and there's a fireplace here that has something shiny gleaming inside of it. I'll say what they could possibly determine based on what they see. I could say, well, there's burn marks all over the fireplace and, um, it looks like everything is torched. So whatever that is, it clearly survived the fire. So it maybe it's something that has some resistance to, to fire damage or something. I could give, I'll give them as much information as they might logically conclude on their own. And then when they make the decision to manipulate objects or to interact with the world, that's the choice that they get to make with the maximal amount of information. And the mystery lies in not hiding information from, from players, but in, rewarding them for making impactful choices based on complete knowledge. Uh, I think the worst example of what I consider bad modern perception checks or whatever uh, is not in like fifth edition, but is in games like dungeon world. Like the, the discern realities move in dungeon world makes me so angry because basically what it is is you roll 2d6 and depending on the result you receive between one and three pieces of very important information about the room to me all of those would just be told to the player when they ask the appropriate question they don't need to make a roll and check a score to determine how how much they detect i find that to be boring um and uh anti-fun so that's where that's yeah, where I, I that's that. where I land on this. I know some folks like listens and spot checks, and I I can understand that. I think listening at doors is okay, um, but again, it's all about the players making decisions and giving them as much information as possible in order to make those decisions. It doesn't mean you can't have random encounters. Doesn't mean you can't have secret doors. Doesn't mean you can't have secret rooms. It or traps. It just means you make it interesting. And to do that, yeah. you reward the players for their engagement and questions and choices. Okay, spiel over. Yeah, I yeah. don't even like listening at doors. I think it's like, if you're going to listen at a door, you hear what's on the other door. I don't like to like, oh, so I'm really good at listening. Well, okay, let me be clear. I mean more like you're in a room. Yeah. From where you're standing, you right. can't hear that there's a shuffling zombie on the other side of the room. But before you uh-huh. be able to hear a shuffling zombie, the undead are always silent. That's right. As they're, per they're D&D silent. rules. Yeah. The undead make no undead noise. But what, no, but what, no, but when they walk, uh, you couldn't hear their footsteps at all? Nope. Oh, really? The, okay. No, that's okay. the rule. Oh, I guess so. Well, anyhow, so, a creature shuffling on the other side of the door. If you... Also, I don't need D&D to tell me what a freaking zombie is. Let me tell you something. I've never had a zombie in a single game. I've never needed one. I hate zombies. I like how for just a second, you let me like, well, actually you into the dirt. All right. <laughs> no. And now you've just recovered. No, I just stun locked by my facts and logic. I just don't, I just, I just don't like zombies in general. I think they're like a, uh, yeah, like a, di- they're like a, suck. they're like a disorder in the American mind. But I think 
having like, <laughs> like but I think I think skeletons are you better. don't like I, yeah, skeletons sure, are one hundred percent always better than zombies in my opinion, but that's because of Ray Harryhausen. I mean, like the American fascination with zombies and like zombie preppers, are, it's all just like Americans making elaborate situations in which they're justified in killing people. Like it's it's, it's totally what it is. It's like I I need my guns because it would be un it would be unethical to not kill people if there were zombies. I have to invent a scenario in which I have to be the hero with all my guns. I think it's just American, it's just American yeah. Godzilla. It's our fear of other people writ, lo- writ uh-huh. large, which is why I think the best zombie movie ever made was a UK zombie movie, which is 28 days later because the zombies run. <laughs> They're so, the zombies are so much better. Best zombie movie ever made. 28, 28 days later is a good zombie movie. It's um, good. It's good. Oh, I like Zombie Land. I like yeah, that sure. But see, good. those I like, all I like original no. Night Night of the Living Dead. Man, it, it doesn't had, get better. Had than Bill that, Murray in it. That was it. cool. Okay, that's it. name a zombie movie that isn't corny or funny. Uh, I think Night of the Living Dead. The first time no, I saw it's corny. That, it, it is out. so corny. Yes, not, there's scary. Corny, there's scor- scary parts in it. But today, it, if, if have you watched it recently? It is corny as heck. I guess it's been a while. But I just remember this lurking dread. You know why? Okay, why are we talking about? Yes. If you're in a room, you if, yeah, here, if a character, you were like, what's your top five favorite no, zombie not, movies? I remember your words. So if a, <laughs> we're, we're ranking if a character now. was in a dungeon and wanted to be smart about opening a door and listened to see if they could hear anything like a wolf pounding, panting or something. Actually. Yeah. In your blood marm barrow dungeon thingy that I, uh-huh. that I played, yeah. there were, and you know, there, there's like pet wolves in the dungeon for some reason. And, um, yeah. I, I remember I had the player characters listened to the door to see if they could hear anything on the other side and they could hear the dog, uh-huh. the dog's panting. Cause you had like a kennel in, in there. So, yeah. so, so yeah. it, it did, I'm saying it does come up and I don't have a problem with it. I think it's silly to listen to every door. I think stuck doors are pretty boring, but. I'm just saying, if it's fine to listen to doors, I don't make players roll on it though. I'm like, you oh, are one in sixteen. No, 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 no. Did you? Oh. No, did you? I say, if you listen to the door, you hear it's on the other side of the door. I don't like playing like, how good are you at hearing? Yeah, no, it's like that's all you're doing trading a hearing test. You're check. trading a moment of time for a piece of information. Yeah, exactly. You're spending the resource of like of telling me what you're doing. I'm I'm rewarding you for that by telling you yes, there's something. Or and not. I think that's a really good point. The the idea in my mind behind dungeon crawling is that you're spending a resource, whether it's time, some kind of effort, yeah. an actual resource like a torch or a ration or whatever. And rolling mm-hmm. dice uh, is almost never interesting from the perspective of a player to see whether or not a choice they made based on um, very limited information results. Like it, it, it's only interest. I'm fine with risk provided that maximal information uh-huh. is given. So, uh, you know, a, a save to avoid death when you have been informed of the risks is totally legit, but a save to mm-hmm. avoid death based on no information, which will come up in our review today. Uh, I hate that and don't like it. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring not, it up. It's not super fun. Look out page 10. We'll get there. I think the Dawn of the Dead 2000s remake underrated. I agree. That hell I had agree. fast zombies It's good. Too. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. I, guys, I, think I feel it, like I'm in college right now with the amount that we're talking about zombies. I gotta be honest. It's been a yeah, really I haven't long talked time about zombies this thought much about in a while. zombies. Uh-huh. Now, I, neither of you have, I'm surprised at you, Sam, neither of you have mentioned the Japanese film Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. 
And um, <laughs> I haven't seen that. I, yeah, I'm not familiar with that uh, particular piece of media. I have. I don't sounds, even know why I've seen this. I have. I yeah, have absolutely uh-huh. seen this. Um, my goodness. But there's some good zombie stuff in that movie. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it's wow. exactly what zombie, it sounds like. Noted zombie lover. No, I really go. don't like yeah. zombies in general. I, I, I don't know. You seem to know a lot about zombies for somebody who yeah. doesn't like them very And yet much. you can't you seem to stop talking about them. About them, about them. Too. Jeez. Yeah. He just keeps going, doesn't he? I just hate The Walking Dead so much. Walking Dead, uh, yeah. The, the, let's, start a, let's start a podcast about that show. Never. There are oh, Walking Dead. Haven't seen the show. I, comic well book aware. overrated. Yeah, comic, comic book, book was overrated. like there were a lot of those, huh? There is a. a there, I will books. okay. I will say take up a lot of space in my comic store where I could be looking yeah. at something more yeah. interesting. There is a podcast called The Talking Dead that is yeah, about yeah. the Walking uh-huh. Dead. I, I, it's a clever. It's 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 clever. Anyways, I mean they was, got podcasts like, for everything. They now. do. They got D and D podcasts. Who they have D and D. They got D and D podcasts. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're silly. Okay, it's a race to this the is same bunch joke. of this is good. Bunch of dumb dumbs yeah. going blah blah blah. You know, come on. I'm a busy man. I don't have time for this. Say, which name do you guys like better, Menlo or Mendel? Oh, is that a thing? Does the name change in this? No, no, no. No, one? there are oh, two different characters. It's like, why would you do there, this? There, I, oh, I made a okay. list of the various character names because they're also hilariously similar. Uh, we're, we're getting into yeah, we'll get there. the, um, yeah, the yeah. review, and we haven't yet played the bumper for main review time. You're right. Wait, do we have a... It's time oh. for the main review. It's time for the main attraction. There we go. See the, that's the bumper. Okay. That was my saxophone no. coming in after Bruce. That one... Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. That sounded much more like Bruce Springsteen in this... Yeah, that was, time, that was good. I think. Also, Ooh, I you or was me? it you were was it was it an episode that I was on <laughs> that you guys were slandering Bruce Springsteen? No. Yeah, I was what? slandering Bruce. Yuck. Why would you do that? Yuck. Why would you do that? Big. It wasn't me. Big mad. I was slandering. That's me. Look, I was slandering his Christmas song. Santa Claus is coming to town. I think oh. it's. I think that song's weak. I don't like hearing that. And the when I'm you know I'm shopping in Target and I got Santa Claus is coming to town. I'm legally required to defend that song. My wife put it on our Christmas playlist this year. So uh, that song is great, and you're an idiot. Everyone's allowed to like stuff. I'm sure, you know, you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there don't like Steely Dan. They're like, Brad, you idiot, you imbecile. I've you, never, you don't like the I've Bruce Springsteen literally song? never listened to Steely Dan. Well, I don't like Bruce Springsteen hollering. He sounds like he's, you know, a few, a few, a few cans in the bag here, and he's just hollering about Santa Claus in the most atonal, unmelodic way possible. Santa Claus coming to town. And we're all like, it's a classic. It's a classic. Turn it up. Turn it up. The boss doesn't miss. Slay queen. Okay. And I'm and I'm I'm not here for it anymore. Okay. You know? Okay. Okay. I need to just stop this. It just will never end. Uh can we get on to the main review now? Yeah. All right. It's I time guess. for the main review. It's time for the main attraction. Everybody shut up. Stop having so much fun. I, I wanted to, yeah, that's my job. I wanted to thank Dulac for that question. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dulac. Yeah, I hope that maybe answered your question. Uh, so moving on to the main review. Today we are going to be talking about N3, Destiny of Kings. This was written by Stephen Bourne. Betty Elmore was the typographist and editing is by David James Ritchie. The uh, cover art is by Keith Parkinson. And I want to put a little pin here 
do not discuss the cover just yet. I I I want to <laughs> okay. I want to give it its own section. Um, I think that's great. James Rossloff did the interior artwork, and the cartography is by David C. Sutherland III. This was published by TSR in 1986. It is a letter format. I have the POD, and it's 38 pages long. And the system, of course, is for AD and D. It was later released for second edition AD and D as well. It was there is a two E version as well. Thank you. Um, oh, and okay. there's many discussions online about which version to use. Uh, good job, guys. You sold some extra books. Um, okay, so Sam, Sam, why don't you give us the history of this module before Brad gives us the summary of the actual adventure? Is there a history to well, this module? Here, this is the this is I think the interesting part of it is that like I did, I did, I I, I think I did a relatively good amount of research trying to find anything about this module historically that made it interesting as far as i can tell i sort of dug into like you know the tsr uh like timeline of like when like what was happening in 1986 1986 Mm -hmm. was um when the sort of uh transfer of power had occurred the year before i believe with what is it lorraine williams was in charge of the company at this point and had sort of uh, dug it out of the uh, an imminent financial disaster that it was going to be in, uh, and I mean we were deep in the Iran Contra scandal, you know. Yeah, also <laughs> there's that. That was a big part of I think what went into the um, creation of this module uh, by Stephen Bourne, who is, as far as I can tell, a ghost. <laughs> he does not. He doesn't have a Wikipedia he, page. He is, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, but I looked, I looked around other places and part of the problem is there is another Stephen Bourne who is a British, uh, gentleman who is a gay rights and black history in Britain author. Um, and then there was, I think another Stephen Bourne that didn't, uh, didn't yield any results either. But, uh, this guy wrote a, a good chunk of, not a good chunk. He wrote like five adventures for TSR. Um, Around like between eighty four and eighty seven or something like that. Just I think it was just sort of the beginning of his uh, career where he kicked around and wrote some fantasy for TSR. And then Brad found a link to a story he wrote about um, horses or something. Uh, he's Canadian and he lives I think in Ontario and he hangs out and writes Canadian historical uh, fiction pieces now, but. Uh, kicked around and did a little bit of fantasy before that. And that's um, all I've been able to discern about uh, Stephen Bourne. Uh, And I got to say, not much, not much else of interest. Uh, So sorry, uh, history enjoyers. There's not much history here to enjoy. All right. So um, let's get this on the road. Brad, 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 tell us what this adventure is all about. Okay. Thank you. I will. Um, all right, this is a ooh, this is kind of a a sweeping hex crawl with a purpose kind of adventure. Um very political. It's kind of Game of Thronesy. Um I guess the setup is the king is dead and PCs are contacted by um the I don't know, the agent of the king. What's uh, what, what is he? I don't know. He's, he's like, like one a, of the king's like, guys. Yeah, he's like a good he's like one of the king's best friends. Like his good buddy. Yes. Yeah, he's like a solid, a solid king guy. Yeah, and uh, the heir to the throne 
is the prince, and the prince is missing. He's gone on a pilgrimage, which is what these princes do. They go off to this cave, and they commune with the spirits, and um, he hasn't been back in a while. And uh, the regent is the king's brother, and he's he's not a good guy. So there's 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 worry that the uh, the king's brother has there's some maybe some foul play, and that this prince is in danger. So the pieces are charged with finding the young prince before um, before anything happens to him. So pieces are set off in this big hex crawl. Um, I would say it is. I think it's pretty interesting in that it's kind of open as far as like what players can do. They can kind of explore the map, but there are some strong clues and things that are kind of going to send you kind of ping-ponging in a certain direction. Um, but uh, yeah, players kind of crisscross this map and deal with political um, you know, doings as they try to restore order to this kingdom. Um, we have a few locations detailed here. There's a temple, there's like a kind of little city, citadel thing. There's two castle-esque kind of dungeons, and um, I guess we get a really small cave. So a few locations that are detailed here for PCs to explore, along with the hex map that they're going to be crisscrossing to, to find the good prince. So that's that's the name of the game here. Destiny of Kings. I guess we should also... I, I would also want to know, this one was recommended by our... Uh, uh, our friend and longtime listener, R. Cates, who uh, seems like he's a fan of this one. So thank you for the recommendation. A lot of these have been recommended that we review, recommended by our listeners, and uh, we haven't really credited the people who said, hey, you should review these. So shout-outs to R. Cates for the suggestion here. Uh, okay, what do we think? Did I lose? Did I leave anything out of that uh, overview? There's a lot of names thrown at you really quickly with no explanation as to who they yes. are in the beginning. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to say you there, there's a glossary. I yes, that's that handy, is handy. Though. You're right. Um, I I, I want to give credit to this for having pretty good table of contents and good credits, which you don't always see. Yeah. Um, and then just a uh, no cast of characters though in the beginning, which would have given you some context before reading it, but. But we get okay. We get one page of DM background, and then the neighboring page, same spread. It's names and places. You know. Yeah, it should have been swapped. It. I didn't know. I when I was I first reading this, I thought, wait, who is that? What, why are you? Ta- what is Donador? You know, I didn't. I, what what mm-hmm. is Andavar? I didn't know what these things were. I, there's a way to do this differently, but it's whatever. We talk about that later. I just I wasn't confused. You know, for the record, let it be. Let it be said. I've, I I followed mean, it fine. I, so. I, Mileage may vary. Okay, let's just let's just say that. I, I, what I'm saying is the synopsis and names and places page should have come before uh-huh. the situation page. Okay, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. It's your opinion. I would have liked if um, the in the synopsis where it says Halfred King Odd Dunador that they had spelled of right. There's that's not. We'll talk about that. There's a couple <laughs> situ. There's that that comes up. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. We'll talk about that. Should we talk <laughs> yeah. about art real quick? I talk because there's art. not enough of it. It's two illustrations in this whole damn thing. Yeah, it's this um... guy is running out of the castle on horses. Oh yeah, wow. And there is a griffin attacking some guys. That's yeah, two illustrations. I might I say they're both full page black and white illustrations. I think they're they're nice. I enjoy them. I like the. I think the horses look great. They're uh, the. Jim I Rosloff wanted more. I wanted more. Are um really indicative of like a certain kind of like streamlined 
more homogenized art style for mm-hmm. the the game uh, that I'm not I'm not like a huge fan of it. I don't hate it, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of his stuff looks like like coloring book art. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> which is I I don't mean that in like a disrespectful way. I think he's I think he's a talented artist. I just think yeah. that a lot of times like especially the black and white stuff is just like it, it's it's just got like a like a fluid staticness that it's just like it's sort of busy but like without a lot of movement. I I think. Um I Yeah. Know. And I'll say the characters are there is no personality assigned to these characters they all have the same face oh, they're all dressed the same you yeah, know it's I mean? just We're over like, get, like a story told it's sort through of these prince people. valianty in it's yes. like sort of yes. like oh. g- generic fantasy medieval i don't know mix. i like prince it, it does valiant. look like prince valiant it does look like prince valiant, valiant i agree with that can we talk about the cover they got better haircuts than prince valiant though. well now that's actually a really good point that the haircuts in prince valiant are straight bangers <laughs> bring the 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 male bob back i think yeah this time. i agree um yeah you want to talk about the cover you put a pin in it earlier yeah the okay so yeah, the cover of. is meant to illustrate the death of the king but he doesn't no 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 no, no? it's not what then who's no, the no. who's the ghost it's from that one scene with a ghost it's in it that is one of the most confusing lines. No, 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 it's no, no. In I, I, I understand. No, I know it's in Fontainebleau. So you're, that's not. You're saying this is just a ghost oh, the, this is. So you're saying that that dead body is not the king. That dead body is the um, yes, uh, the, the, the Fontainebleau. That's a uh, William. The that's William. the priest. The priest guy. Yeah, okay, William Minote. Yes, this is a spoiler, but yes, I don't think it's that spoilery. It's on the cover. Yeah, that's true. But again, this is a this is a question. Do you show your players the thing that they're playing, and do you tell them what the okay. thing is called? It's like against the cult of the reptile god. Do they know they're playing against the cult? I was confused about who exactly. I understood that. I know that there's a ghost scene, but uh-huh. I thought we was trying to represent because of the body. I thought it was trying to wait, wait. Where does the ghost scene occur again? You know what? We'll wait. For, let's wait for a deep dive so I can talk about that. Okay. All right. Yeah, because the king died in a hunting accident, so that's not the king. Right, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was confused by. Yeah. So, so yeah, okay, let, totally. let's wait for a deep dive. So, all right, let's get let's get this thing rolling. Um, let's say let's, let's get let's it. What? Uh, <laughs> who wants to go first? <laughs> Sam, you're the you're the guest. Yeah. You go first. What did you right. What did you think about uh, Destiny of Kings? It's fine. It's it struck me as the kind of thing that um, it feels very. It feels it doesn't feel like D and D to me. And I I say this in the sense that like all of the stuff that's like D and D stuff in it feels added in, at, whereas just like as opposed to like intrinsic to the plot, if that makes sense. The like it feels just like it wants to be like historical, like m- medieval castle men doing castle men things without any of the like D and D magic items. Like the fact yeah. that like they, they, they're like already, they, they use the, there's one use of an item that feels like very much like is trying to like thwart D and D stuff and like D and D world stuff. Cause like, um, and maybe this is too like deep divey, but like the, the King gets killed in like the introduction that you're like read to the players and everything like that. And 
He's killed with an arrow of slaying specifically. So he can't be raised from the dead because the whole plot hinges on like the fact that he's dead and like in a D and D world, he'd be able to be resurrected. So it just feels like it's supposed to be just like normal medieval times. Um, and in, in that it's like, I think it's fine. I don't think it, I don't think it's doing anything like really like, like there's a couple of things that it does that, that, that it does that are sort of bothersome to me, but like, I can see this going, you know, very much in a, like, a totally, like, I think this is one of those modules where, like, people could have had a really good time playing it just because they had a good DM, it's a, they had a good group, and they just, like, you know, had a lot of fun with a very sort of simple plot. And it's supposed to be a simple plot, right? It's N3, this is the novice series, it's meant to be introducing people into D&D. This, I don't know if it introduces you into D&D so much as it introduces you into um, sort of a Game of Thronesy like political mystery with yeah. like a like sort of like a follow the clues adventure in it. Um, I like that there's jousting at some point. <laughs> there's, yeah. Oh, at two couples. There's two different two, two different jousts. Yeah, yeah although I think it, that feels very O D and D to me. The fact that there's like jousting at all because that was like the O D and D thing with like if you came upon a castle, like the leader of the castle would always challenge you to a joust. Um, <laughs> I like that. So it feels a yeah. little bit. Like Can I that. just point out the jousting field section? There's multiple jousting. There's a jousting on the bridge yeah. and there's jousting back home, but there's a jousting field section in um, uh, Montanel and it's yeah. a 40 foot by 130 foot open area. 130 yeah. feet is not enough feet for, no. for a joust. This was, I, I, I found some various critiques online that were talking, actually the, I think it was in the white dwarf uh, critique of it. They were saying like this is a ridiculously small. Well, it's ha- it's half field. it's half of a football field, right? Or more than more. Yeah. It's le- less than half of a football field. It's like so, a third. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I, I horses need a, a while to get going. It's just it's very movie to me. It's just such weird. Like why would you yeah. choose hundred and thirty feet? It's just there is a so- lot of movie stuff to this. I feel like that's yeah. Oh yeah, it's like a, a it's, big part it's of like it feels reading very cinematic like, Robin Hood or something. Yeah, it's got an mm-hmm. Errol Flynn quality. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. It definitely sure. does. That's accurate. It definitely does. All right. So, d- Brad, uh, give us your take on it. Okay. Yeah. Um. I so I, th- I think some of this is pretty novel. Like I haven't seen. This is probably the oldest D and D published adventure I've seen that attempts to do this kind of like big sweeping political plot. It's not tied to like one location, and I think that stuff is actually done pretty well. I think players. It, like the hook is very simple. Like the players are charged to do this very one specific thing, find the prince. And I think the stakes for that are actually like pretty interesting. Like you can see there's this kind of evil despot that's going to be taking over if you don't succeed in this task. I also don't think it's too far-fetched like why the PCs are hired to do this. Like we need quiet agents sneaking through these enemy lands to try to find this. We don't want like knights bearing the insignias of these other factions. So I think the setup is is strong. I think a lot of the sandboxy stuff is pretty good. Like all the locations have hooks and clues to send you ping ponging around this map. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of threads that can send you to places in different times, and there's some locations that you don't even really need to go to. Um, so I think that's all done pretty well. Um, I do think like the two castles are really inelegant cinder blocks full of soldiers. They're like anti-fun. It's just 
big hunks of dungeon where soldiers stand around waiting to be killed and they are it they are really boring and there is no obvious way about how you would subvert that other than like hope that you have magic users that have fun spells that can mix things up in here um because they are dry there you know so many times i was like wishing we had some characters with personality some knights here that could be interesting some ways to sneak in or subvert this thing but no, these are like big, dumb castles that you have to get in and just like murder your way through. And that just really felt like a letdown. Um, like also the level rate. I mean, this is like kind of minor, but the, this is this says it's for levels one to four. Man, I do not see how any of that would work. These are all like level three, okay, so fighter, this is, like level so three soldiers, level three fighters this is everywhere. Because if, yeah. if you look at the front cover, it says four to six characters, level one to four. But the inside yeah. front cover says adventure for five to ten characters, levels four through eight. Whoa, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So I um, think there was just like a misprint on the cover. Uh, or yeah. Maybe uh, some sneaky nonsense. I don't know. Because I, I think that is a very anti-fun thing also is that not only are these dumb castles full of dumb soldiers, they all have like 50 hit points. So these are boring fights, like chipping away at... These like absolute meat hunts, yeah, like trying to get, make your way through these. All things. the soldiers and stuff are basically identical. Like you get these rosters, yeah, and it's basically fighter between two and four, two and five, uh-huh. um, and lawful evil, and you yes, know, with a bow, with a sword. It's yeah. very, very boring. Yeah. Like, and there's like yeah. twenty of them in like the last castle too. It's like, but there's like twenty. There's like twenty guys in the last castle. Yeah. That's it. Which is, and that's like a very weird to again with like it's like the jousting problem it's like that's not how many guys you need for a castle and also right. they wouldn't all be like like Dolph Lundgren's <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah. just like 20 Dolph Lundgren's in that last castle yeah I also so my my other main thing is that and again it's it's hard to f- I think it's hard to fault a product for something that it isn't it's hard to say oh this sh- should have had XYZ you know we kind of have to critique it for what is here but the way it presents itself, it's kind of the bare minimum of what you need to tell this story. There are antagonists that oppose you, and there are, and, and that's it. You know, there, I wished that there were some other just kind of weird odds and ends, like a third faction that was unaligned with either the good guys or the bad guys, you know, like a way you could sway another faction to like join you or help siege a castle. I wish there were, you know, like a thieves guild that you could help that could help you get in a castle. I wish that there was like a hippogriff nest you could use to like fly into, you know, I just wish there was more locations around the map that tangential to the main plot. Um, And of course, as a DM, that's what I would put in. But um, you know, it, it reminded me of like Star Wars prequels where they said like, okay, how can we tell this story? We need Darth Vader. He starts good and he gets bad and he needs to have, uh, some kind of woman because he has to have kids. And it's like, okay, that's the movie. We don't add anything else. Like Darth Vader should have had a brother. He should have had like, you know, you should have had a lot of weirder storytelling because there was room for you to get weird, but you just said, what are the basics we need? What are the minimum? And that's all that we got. So I feel like that's kind of what we get here. It's like the bare minimum to fulfill the story. And it really would have flourished if there was more weird stuff here. Uh, yeah. So, okay, what, what do you think about this one? I've been waiting for this. Oh, so, okay. You guys all said stuff I wouldn't have said, which is interesting. I don't disagree with any of it. 
but I feel like you're kind of missing sort of the point of this, which is this is a railroad disguised as a sandbox. Um, basically, the PCs are thrust on this adventure, which is a very cool adventure in my opinion. And they're they're given this idea that you can kind of go anywhere and explore anything. But if you look at how these encounters are all written, they're just kind of waiting for people to show up so that they can go. You know, like there's um, a lot of NPCs that just wait in rooms like I am the cook and I am cu- cutting food up in this room at any given time that you might step in this room. There's no accounting for if you ever show up at a different time or in a different way. It's, in my opinion... Um, there's a lot of handholding around following the clues where the PCs need to go. It's hard to talk about it without going too much in a deep dive, but my main critique is that it offers this cool little region to explore, but it doesn't give you any real, dis- as a, as a player, it doesn't really give you a lot of feeling of choice. You have basically two choices at the beginning for how you want to go. And because some of the NPCs that are trying to, for instance, kill this prince that you're chasing, um, because they are doing their own sort of thing. They're doing that no matter what you do. They show up either way. You know, they're basically not acting as independent real world characters and instead waiting on the players to act and then things will happen. It's sort of counter to how I think the OSR likes to describe itself. Um, and, And that was the feeling that I got many times while reading this. Um, in general, I just found it pretty disappointing. There are some, there are some things I like, um, but it does, you know, last week, Brad, you and I talked about the three big failings of older modules in my mind, which are, um, uh, too much voluminous text, too much prescriptive text and creatures waiting in rooms to attack you. This one, I think violates the voluminous text one, uh, there's just too much text. Uh, I, I, there's times where I don't need to know. I think I wrote, I wrote, yeah. Okay. So there's on page seven under peasant huts, they go into where the people are during the day and when they're not there and what kind of pets they have and how there's nothing of, uh, what did they write? The sentence was, um, th- there is nothing of interest here. That sentence appears in some form like five times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not, no, I'm not exaggerating either. I mean, literally I counted five and there might be more cause they sometimes add like, there is nothing of interest here. There's nothing of interest to see here. They, they change it up. So I didn't do exact searches, but, um, that happens too much when you're writing so much text. It, it's a little frustrating, you know, that we, mm-hmm. I'll just read a little bit so people know what I'm talking about. The peasants who work the land surrounding the castle are housed in this cluster of squalid mud daubed wattle and thatch huts. Apart from Lemus and the odd porcine house pet, there is virtually nothing of interest in this area. If the players insist on making a detailed examination, treat them to a tour of almost identical dirt floor dwellings containing only straw pallets, crude cooking facilities, wall pegs for clothing, a roughly carpented table and chairs, and perhaps a plank fixed to one wall as a pantry. Between the hours of 6am and 6pm, only the very old and the very young will be found in this area. All able-bodied men and women are at work in the fields or the market. Basically, I would just delete everything from Waddle and Thatch Huts. There's just, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know any of yeah. this. It's just not important. Um, and that, when you're writing a module that's 40 pages long and has a lot of text, 
you do yourself no favors writing unnecessary text. And this that's that to me that is is pretty indicative of the the major issue I have with the the writing. Um it's just too much and it's not interesting. Um I did enjoy some of the areas. I thought the forest was cool, albeit a bit um underwritten, but I thought that was kind of cool. And um I was confused by a few parts. Like at one point, this section called Barbarian Bridge shows up and it, it just is shoehorned into the corner of a page of, I think a related area, but it's not clear because Barbarian Bridge is not indicated on the map. So you're looking at what is apparently a tower with a bridge and it's not indicated on the map, but I think they're saying that it's right next to this tower that you're at. And I was very, I, yeah. I just, what, what, how do, is the bridge connected to the top of the tower where I was just re, like very confusing. And that happens a couple times actually, where they just, they just didn't give things space to breathe. Um, and, and they kind of just shoved it together. And let me describe how this book is written. You know, you've got this map with a bunch of places on it. And then in the, in the book, you just have these one to eight page sections of, um, locations, just one after the other. There's no real connectivity. It's just, here's this, you know, if they go here, there's this, if they go there, there's that. Of course, it's written in a way where it assumes a certain path that the characters will take. And in my mind, sort of shoehorns you into making it happen that way, which is why, again, I feel like it's a railroad. Uh, I have more to say, but that is my overall thoughts is I, I think it's bad and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I agree it's as railroady as you you say it is. I mean, definitely it's presented in like the likely path that players will take, but I mean there's nothing that says players have to go to Montanel. They could easily skirt like any of these. That's, it's not the, and end up somewhere. Wait, hold on. I didn't say it forces them to go to certain places in certain times. What it does is no matter where they go, certain things happen and those things are um inevitable. And there's a couple situations where maybe things might be different, but the way that it's geared up makes that almost impossible to happen. I think we have to go to the deep dive because I, I there's a couple of yeah. examples, and those examples uh, yeah. are <laughs> very spoilery. So I just all right, deep dive. Okay, so deep dive. Okay, for Destiny of Kings starting now. Deep spoilers. Yeah. So here's what's really going on is. Um, the evil brother of the king, Ed Edrin, is that right? He uh, he conspired to kill the king, and he is uh, allying with uh, his neighbor, his, his duke to the I don't know north or something, uh, Amar. Um, Amar has captured the prince, um, and he's holding him in a tower. But uh, Edrin is like, "Why are you holding him? You should just kill him." There's some disagreement there. Um, Meanwhile, Edrin has sent forces to the abbey where they have uh, masqueraded as thugs and they've stolen, they've looted the place, killed the priests and stolen the like royal scepter and crown, which, you know, uh, which, which notes who is, you know, you can't be king unless you have these things. So he's holding them in, uh, in his tower. And yeah, that's, I think that's the main uh the main gist of it. I wanted to add that I think that the writing overall is actually very good. Like I think it's yeah. it's it's intelligible and doesn't repeat yeah, itself. It's very readable. Readable, thank you. I don't like the box text that is also people's voices, you know? Um oh, I boy, wanted to yeah, ask that... I wanted Sam, I wanted to ask if you would um if you would read one. I would 
so on, on page seven, there's two box texts yes. for you to read from. Uh, just pick one and, and have a. I just I was imagining you reading it when I was looking. I at it. also was imagining me reading <laughs> it. Um, read the second one uh, on page the seven. second one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's see. This, this is, is a Lemus. Lemus. Correct. This yeah. is our our friend Lemus and his pigs. Well, I, there be one more thing that may be interest, seeing as how you be so eager to learn. Twas day afore yesterday, I guess, a monk came in wearing the habit of Fontamere. Straight to the tower there he rode, and ain't no one seen him since. No, no, heard what happened to bring him here, which is real strange, you see, because it ain't that often that folks ride in on horses all lathered with an arrow sticking out of their monkish backs. Yep, well, if I was a curious man, which I ain't, I'd, <laughs> I'd be sure wondering what happened to that monk and why ain't nobody can get nothing about him out there, guards the Citadel. Yeah, I sure would wonder. <laughs> okay, um, okay, okay. He's from so, a couple of yeah, different places. You started you, with so maybe, you guys don't Hold on, you started with Midlands and then it became Scottish and then it became like Welshman who you can't understand. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's it was he was he's from all over yeah. um, <laughs> the problem is is there is like so much there to yeah. like parse with the it's you can't keep fo- i couldn't keep my focus on the accent it's because funny. i was also trying to read what he was saying which was quite difficult because it's all vernacularly oh doy uh-huh. and it's uh not great <laughs> you guys so you guys don't like this you don't like the box text the read aloud text um, I, in general, I hate I, it. In general, I feel like you can do it well, but it feels like a lot of people don't do it well. And like, I don't. I I, I think I have a like a knee jerk reaction to being told to read something aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's like a, it's like a tool that's meant to be uh, helpful for the DM, but I think it like just becomes very indicative of like the things that people make fun of. DM yeah, it's it, not just that. Um, it also is almost always an outsider trying to represent people that they're not, you know, it's like, it feels like the only American who can write British people is George R. R. Martin, in my opinion. <laughs> but I, mm. I just, I find it extremely cringe. Also the, um, when you paint people a certain way with language, I think it actually makes them less interesting, not more. I, I don't, I, I'd rather write something like he has an affected drawl instead of, I'm not even gonna do it. Instead of making, <laughs> instead of a stupid draw. I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I don't mind it. I don't know. I think it's just it's just you have you instead of describing this guy, you have described him by the way he talks. You the way he's talking has kind of summarized his character. You know. Yeah. I do think there's too much of it, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't mind this kind of. Would stuff. Would you read this aloud to your players? Oh, definitely. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's the difference definitely. in how we GM. And uh, okay, yeah. let me just say, there's a difference between box text and read aloud text in the voice of a character. And I think not mm-hmm. not everyone is equipped. I certainly am not. Um, you know, people people always say, "Oh, you should be great at accents because you know lots of languages." I'm actually really bad at accents. Um, uh-huh. for whatever reason, I'm good at detecting them, but I'm not good at re- reproducing them. Meanwhile, my friends who speak only English can do great accents of all kinds. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just a different skill. Um, I find it to be obnoxious 99% of the time, except for when Sam reads yeah. it. Um, before we, uh, go, <laughs> go into all the, yeah, that was super polished and nice. <laughs> okay. So uh, 
there are a number of situations that occur that I feel are um, silly. Like, okay, there is this assassin. Um, what's his name? Menlo? No, Mendel. Mendel. Not Menlo. Menlo is the Mendel. other one. Um, Menlo's also a thief, though, that yes, you meet. Yes. This is the problem. It's like, he, there's just like, I had to go back because I was just like, am I, I it's a me, it's men something, right? And it's like, it is. It's just a different guy that's the same guy, kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's this guy called Mendel Sicord. So there is a section where you kind of uncover him. Um, I think he's invisible. Let me see. Um, yeah, in Capel Tower, page 23, Assassin's Chamber. The door is bolted from inside. Any attempt to open it alerts the room's occupant, and actually opening the door by any means causes him to trigger two crossbow traps which fire at the doorway. The first two characters crossing, blah, 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 are hit, yada, yada, yada. Now, this is basically, an, there is an invisible assassin laying on the bed, pulling strings with crossbows. So is he just, like, laying on his bed at all times? And if anyone tries to come into this room, he shoots them. I'm just trying to understand what this guy's day is like. Like, does he wake up and then just lay in his bed the entire day? Or does he have any other agency or uh, goals in mind? It is. I think this adventure is absolutely committing the sin of like, it's meant to, it's meant to sort of go one way. Um, And so like you go to these places once and then the thing happens and then you don't go back to them. It just reads very cinematic to me in, in like a way where like you can go in a good way or a bad way, depending on how you run it. Because like, yeah. Oh, I actually think it would be quite fun if the players never knew that this guy was just waiting around for them. And it, that happens a know. lot. I, yeah. It happens a lot in this where there's just care. Like the other thief that you meet in the Abbey, he's just there. Uh-huh. You could go there. You could go to, you could spend two days somewhere else and come back up. Ah, he's still there, you know? You don't agree that this is just, these aren't random encounters. These are very much. I mean, that's like. Go ahead. Isn't that is something that that's every. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. There's always, yes. a cook is always in the kitchen. That's no, just No, like, no, what you do you know, is you say. That's how you write a D&D Or adventure. you say, it, 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 you know, at, you could say during these hours, the cooks are in the kitchen. Otherwise it's empty. There's lots of, and yes, that's, that makes sense in a functioning kind of um castle this is an assassin i don't want to balance like a day night you don't have to no you don't have then you can say then you can just assume that there's cooks in there based on other things in the in the in the setting you when you write something okay in your what's the in peacock point you got your goblins Uh all over the place you know they're not but they're always in the kitchen yeah. they're all i mean yeah they are wandering encounters but they're also always in the uh, kitchen because they're making a racket and that's like right that's because that's prescribed that's event what's when you happening go to the kitchen the goblins right are there. but yeah. you're also let's say you were one of those goblins was like an assassin and he was meant uh-huh. to kill someone that you're also meant to find would he just be in that house all the time until you showed up it does feel like there's a where the differentiation we're having here is like um things that are like sort of uh like set like set dressing events versus like triggered events. Uh-huh. And it it feels like sometimes this adventure adventure is treating triggered events as if they are set dressing events and it's just like the only thing that that guy does is wait for you in that room just because yeah. that's the only thing that they've sort of given him to do. I mean, I think most DMs would make the assumption where like if after that has happened, you know, uh-huh. something he's probably somewhere else, but the adventure is spending a lot of time giving you a lot of words and none of the words are used to describe like where, like, 
you know, this cast of characters. Like, this is an adventure that could really, really use a clock. A timeline. Um, a timeline. You've yeah, got- just a, a timeline of what's happening, people's uh, yeah. motivations, their, like, path that they're going a clock to take. Would be cool. Assuming like, That would be cool. It, it feels like some urgency. Otherwise, it doesn't mm, it doesn't matter when you get to Fontenmere Chapel or whatever sure, because sure. Menlo is yeah. there no matter what. That's what I'm saying. I don't mind It's sort of like an older kind of video game when it really what you want it to be is like The Witcher. Right. Well, that's actually what I wrote. I wrote this feels like your like NPCs in this in this adventure are in a video game and yeah. you're mm-hmm. you're right. Like it should be somewhat dependent on the actions of the characters and and those actions yeah. can include being late to something maybe they now that you said like this should have a clock i i get it yes a clock would be awesome here like at a certain point right there's no one left in the abbey because it's already been sacked and it's gone I mean, how long yeah is you can make it to the abbey before like or like while the sacking is happening and maybe uh-huh. you could do something about it but like yeah that would be cool yeah maybe, that would be yeah, awesome like, it feels maybe like you uh-huh. see smoke in the horizon and you're too far away to notice it it makes the world feel real you know personally i mean i liked the thief character i liked the assassin character i mean i am really willing to throw out the like prescribed m- mechanics of how these characters work like oh this is how the assassin tracks you like that doesn't interest me the fact that it gives me an assassin and it gives me you know i'm perfectly i can i can justify he's hanging out in his room you know he's he's reading pornography it doesn't matter what he's doing you know he hears someone's messing with his door he lies in bed drinks an invisibility potion and pulls the trigger on his crossbows like okay i can wrap my head around it could make sense that this all works i think it's kind of neat that there's this invisible assassin hanging out in the room and players can kind of deduce like, okay, this door is locked from the inside. So this crossbow fired. There's someone here. I think that's a cool opportunity for deduction and role playing. And they can actually like prevent this assassination attempt later. But if they don't, I like that there's this invisible assassin pursuing the party. I probably wouldn't like obey it to the the letter that's written here. Like there's a 70% chance that they won't notice him behind. Like I'm, I'm putting that piece in play though. And I think those dynamic elements of these, these thieves, these assassins, that like the, those, I think, were some of the stronger parts of the work. So, yeah, I'll agree that the Menlo and Mendel and Amar's girlfriend—I can't remember her name. Um, uh-huh. were, oh, but she's yeah, beautiful. I like. Yeah, <laughs> of course, well, she's I, uh-huh. a woman in a you know a TSR release from 1986. It actually does. I like the girlfriend character. It, it actually does a better uh-huh. job of. Not uh, being gross yeah. than many of these, but yeah, it, it, it's it, true. It, yeah, <laughs> I had, I have, I have a moment now. Where every time, is she the, is she the only female character in the whole? I think so. Field? No, no. There's a princess that's mentioned at the end that may oh, come yes. in later. Oh, that's yes. the cousin. Oh yeah, I actually, like, I like that. I actually liked that. I was like, that, that's yeah. not a bad. I like the, I like the the different ending outcomes. I thought were me cool too. too. Me like too. it accounts yeah. if the prince dies. Here's how totally. Here's how you. I wish that that. I wish. I wish that that had stuff. I wish all that had been more common throughout. It would have made it feel less like again like a sandbox. Um, sure. Or I should say like a railroad disguised as a sandbox. Uh, the, uh-huh. there's some annoying things like the curse scroll that basically, Oh yeah. All you have to do is, this is what I mean. Read about it. The, like, yeah. You just read it. On D&D. And it's, it, uh, does it like, um, make you, uh, brainless or something? I can't remember what it does now. It, I, yeah, it saps like all of your like until you read the counter curse. Right. You're just like a, a yeah, which they, I don't mass. mind that they give you that later, but it's just no indication whatsoever of what you know that that it might do something like that. Which okay, yeah. that's a risk they take. It's fine, but like 
I thought it's just yeah. not interesting. Or there's another you one like drove. the the there's the viewing this spirit does not cause unnatural fear of aging. What the hell is that? Oh my god. What I is was, that? I so I literally asked because like I was detecting some Shakespearean themes in this, right? Like there is a very mm-hmm. sort of like it's got sure. a little bit of Hamlet to it. Um yeah. and I had a moment where I read that. I was sitting in bed next to my wife and she was reading something else, and I was like, hey. Is there like a thing in like any Shakespeare play that you can remember about ghosts causing unnatural fear of aging? She's like, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, then why the fuck do you like this? It's just like pointed out in such a pointed way. Is it like uh, here? Let me let me pull out my monster manual. Yeah, put out quickly because like let's let's get to let's. Okay, I've got it. Uh, G. Um, okay, ghosts are the spirits of evil humans who were so awful in their badness that they have been rewarded or perhaps cursed by being given undead state status. Thus, they roam about at night or in places of darkness. These spirits hate goodness and life, hungering to draw the living essence essences from humans. As ghosts are non-corporeal, ethereal, they are usually encountered by creatures in a like state, although they can be seen by excuse me, non-ethereal creatures. The supernatural power of a ghost is such, however, that the mere sight of one causes any humanoid being to age 10 years and flee in panic for two to 12 turns. Okay, it's it's literally, it's just... No, this I, is, this I, is what I'm saying. I, I like understand. The whole thing is counteracting I, D&D. No, no, so I, yeah. I understood that you are forced to age. I, I've seen that before. But fear of aging? Yeah, that I is. I think that's just awkwardly worded. Okay, I mean, maybe okay. it's yeah. I, I here is the, it the quotes. Fear, this is a fear-based the effect. The quote is: "Viewing you know? this spirit does not cause unnatural fear of aging." I it's 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 jumbled, but like the aging is caused by fear, right? You're so afraid you get ten years older. I think that's awkwardly constructed. It's so but I think weird. It's like, oh, you don't. I, no, no, no. You're I not think, afraid I think enough to age. I think it's addressing the players, not mm-hmm. the not the characters i think the players shouldn't be afraid of their characters aging because they talk to a ghost the fear of unnatural aging is what they meant yeah okay okay there's another there's another similarly (laughs) um on page uh 25 the party can enter the castle in three ways and then there are only two ways. Oh my god, I have that written too. It drives me crazy. It's just like the third. The third way is too secret to know about. We're not allowed to know about the it, third. Also, the third by way. the way, one of those ways is not possible because it requires an army. So the actual, the only, there's only one way to enter the castle. Is actually what ends up happening. They do give you. I mean, I suppose there's two if you walk up. I to think it. it's silly this that is, says there's two ways. I mean, like. You know, there's one guard watching from a guard tower. Like, hit him with a charm person spell. There's your third way. You know, I that, mean, there's always more D&D ways to do stuff. So I think it's silly definitely. to think there's only two it's ways. Just, it's just written in such a way. It's like uh-huh. a logo designer it's, wrote it, it, where it's like, right. here's the one that I want to make, and here's the other two <laughs> shittier ones but they that don't you definitely even, want to yes, choose. Except they don't right. even give you two. They just give you... No, uh, they just give you... I mean, they don't give... They say you give yeah, you They give two. you... Th- yeah, uh-huh. there's only... No, there's... Anyways, uh, yeah. so... Yeah. I, I, Sam, you said, though, like... It's like try it. It subverts D and D in a certain way by like I don't know. It, it focuses on the D and D stuff that I'm not really crazy about, like curses and stuff like that. But yeah, I did w- want it to be a little sillier. <laughs> yeah, you know? it felt like it just like it wanted to be taking itself more seriously uh-huh. than D and D sort of demands to be taken. Definitely, um, and I feel like this whole module is very like prescient. Like as I feel like modules look a lot more like this today than they do 
in 86, you know? Yeah. We don't get a big dungeon. I feel like a Pathfinder adventure path is pretty dang similar to this kind of structure, mm-hmm. you know? Um, would- but there would be stuff like, oh, the prince is a werewolf, and, you know, there would just be, yeah. like, more D&D silliness. W- would, I, you know, would, would you make... I, okay, we didn't actually. The fact that we haven't discussed this is indicative. I think uh-huh. these are the worst dungeons of ever any module we've reviewed yeah. in the Gamer Blast. They're oh. just bo- they're so dull. You wouldn't even call them dungeons. No, they're, they're just castles. They're just layout. walking yeah. through. Okay, well, on this side, there's a and occasionally there's so- like stuff in them because they know that the players are going to want something other than nothing. Well, so like here's a, here's another one, right? Any of them is nothing. So like another example of this kind of railroady thing is you go to the Citadel. There's like a dungeon. Um, mm-hmm. and in the jailer's office, there's a sleeping jailer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's always sleeping. There's never a time in which he's not sleeping. That's yeah. There's no that, scenario that, in which he wakes up really. That's fine. I'm fine with no, that. Why, so, so let's say your players get there and it's, I don't know, uh, 11 AM. He's sleeping. It's more fun if he's sleeping. I think it's, it's. You, you can't write like a. But then you, you remove know, all choice. No, moon calendar no well you, for every you don't need to. He gets lunch and these no, hours. No, you don't need you know, to do that. You just assume uh-huh. that they're on duty and that may you can you can write this one occasionally falls asleep and if the players are lucky enough to figure that out or to um, come in at that time, great. Otherwise, it, it, it again, it's like having three doors and they all go to the same place. That that I yeah, I don't I disagree. It's not an interesting I say, encounter. You write that he's asleep. If it doesn't make sense in the context of the adventure that he's asleep, then you DM Fiat change that. But I like as written. If nothing else can make this false, we got a sleeping jailer because I think that's the so most he's fun sleeping way to there about this no encounter. matter what time of the day the PCs are showing up. He's always asleep. Y- yeah, because I, I think it's if like, you're well, the DM and you're like, hey, ooh, you know, the rooster in the adjoining room just cawed. You know, you, it's up to you to say, no, he's not sleeping, you know? But again, again, I'm not against GM Fiat. I am saying that the, that Uh the, you, you remove opportunities for decisions and that makes it less fun in my opinion. But think, it makes for what hunter interesting. It's a more interesting encounter if he's asleep. It can happen, but it can happen if you let the players he's asleep. Is a lot more interesting no, than saying there's a guy no, on guard. No, uh, agreed. And I sometimes think, he gets sleepy. Okay, let's let Sam say. So, let's let Sam get a word in. I, I, so I think the the the, the thing that's happening here is that they're mm-hmm. treating it as the puzzle is you have to get by the sleeping guard no matter uh-huh. what. That's the puzzle. And it's very yeah. like Saturday morning cartoon jailer, like the deputy is asleep. That's when the, cause the idea is that like you've been thrown into this cell and you're trying to get out of it. So it's like, you've got the classic sleeping jailer. Now it's the party's, you know, chance to right. get out of the, and do the hijinks of like all that stuff. It's not that he's like always asleep as like a character trait. It's just like, that's the scene. And it's writing it's- these things as scenes, but like they're, permanent fixtures it's like it's like it's very just it's video games it's just it just is video games it's like that guy's always yep. asleep because that's yep. that's now, the level i know i agree i think it's the here's what i think it's the writer's responsibility to write the most interesting version of this of this encounter yeah. you know and if the like the sleeping jailer you're right like sam yes that's the saturday morning encounter like that to me is the most interesting version of that. And I think I would rather have that any, every, every time than to be like, there's a jailer on duty and me as a DM have to say, how do I make this interesting? Maybe he's asleep. No one is making that argument. You don't need to create like a freaking life path for the character. This isn't like, you know, Zelda where, you know, each character is doing a certain loop every day. I'm saying you just create some Uh interesting interactive bits. You don't, 
I think if you're having him sleep all the time, it removes the the ability of the PCs to actually engage with the world and and maybe be smart enough to to think, hey, we should go when he's asleep, or or we should make him fall asleep, or whatever. I I maybe I just don't think the sleeping guard is as interesting as you do. That might be another problem here, but um, <laughs> well, well, it's I mean, like back a, to the done. Yeah, yeah it's, go it's, ahead, it's playing operation, right? Is like that's the idea behind it. Is just like, oh, this is like this is your opportunity, and it's just like it's just sort of str- it's what it's done is like I because I I agree. I think the way that you would write it in that case, Yochai is Yochai is better. Um, it's just. I think they've streamlined it for some reason because there's so yeah. much fluff in the rest of this adventure and like stuff that really doesn't need to be there. But like this is where they've taken. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a key to moment. Be, yeah. This is the scene. Well, maybe I would. Ha- I, think- I would have less of a problem with it if this was a single location adventure site. But because you're oh. meant to travel over this like wide land and go to different places, <laughs> it feels again like I just have no actual impact or con- or you know that my decisions don't matter. And I think like reading these dungeons, I am so starving for something interesting because <laughs> again, these are like, if you're like, I'm writing a castle, what needs to be in a castle? And, oh, you need a kitchen because they have to eat. Oh, there needs to be a barracks because they have somewhere they need to sleep. And that's where you stop, you know? So to me, like a jailer who's asleep, that's like, yes, something like something that's interesting here. It's like something like, happening at all and not just, uh, it's the barracks where barracks yeah. things occur. Like, I just think, yes, start with your basics. Yes, you need a kitchen. But, like, give me more. Give me more. Give me more. You know? It's the cook's first day. You know? There's a sorceress that's visiting. Or there's a, a important fair, prisoner the in the dungeon. You know? There's, like, I need more here. There's just not enough. Yeah. To be fair, the cook is the one other interesting uh, person in that uh, <laughs> place, I think. Because he will try to steal from you. At well, opportunity. It, it, <laughs> and is... Uh, like really bitter and, and like annoyed. <laughs> yeah. He, so that you're talking about <laughs> yeah. the, um, the guy who, uh, has a cleaver Dewey. Yeah. That's his name. Dewey. Yeah. He's, Dewey. Yeah. And, um, you don't really get much more information about him. Actually. He doesn't even have stats. I don't think, but, uh, it's, it's boring. This is uh, maybe that's, yeah, maybe it's, that's it's not, my problem here is that this is just all very boring to me. I think, it, it it tries to adhere to some sort of like realism in pretty much the worst way possible mm. in which like the realism of nothing happening except things do happen, but they are only happen in like sort of scripted ways. Like, and it, 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 it cuts itself off from interesting moments too. Like, I, I still think like the, the, like the, the story beats here, the plotting, this to me feels like a very real D and D campaign that I've sort of had. And I appreciate the chassis here. You know, I do, I think this is like a solid foundation that I would be totally willing to tweak. Like, I like the scene at the end with the, you know, the very obvious thief who tries to sneak off. I like the, the sacked Abbey where you can talk to the ghost. The inn. You know, (laughs) I didn't even talk about that. I like the political stuff (laughs) going on in the background. I think it's interesting enough to sustain a campaign. Um, I could totally see this as something I would want to run, but, you know, I'm going to add a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to put like a Robin Hood band of, you know, um, yes. like psycho yes. thieves in the yes, woods. Totally. I'm, you know, I'm going to put a hippogriff nest in the forest. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to add a whole bunch of weirdness here and I'm going to tweak up some of the castles. Um, but I don't know. I just think it has good bones. Like it's, some of it is really boring. <laughs> and yeah. like, I think a clock would really make it sing too. Like, Hey, after two weeks, there's no hope of this prince being alive, you know? And so you, you choose your days wisely because you only have so many. Yes. A hundred percent. I think if, 
if mm-hmm. if you if you took the chassis of this, you could yeah. run like a game that was essentially like Berserk or something yeah. like that, where it's like you have uh-huh. you just have to change it so that the 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 evil guy is secretly a demon. There you go. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's like you know it's it's more about the player characters and like their sort of whole you know stuff in yeah. there. But like yeah, add the factions like or like make the factions something that you could team uh-huh. up with as opposed to just like these are bad guys. Yeah. Um, the thing that annoyed me the most in this, I just want to yeah. say, it's been driving me crazy this whole time. Is the is the chime it's this the magic chime that you get that unlocks doors except it doesn't <laughs> unlock that one door that's like right over there the one thing yeah. that it would be useful for is just like <laughs> but then but then in the next chapter or the next sentence because it says explicitly it's just like this chime cannot be used on this door and then the next sentence you can use the chime on this door you just have to use it twice yeah <laughs> it's just like why, yeah, do you do why do you do yeah, that yeah, why do you why put, do you write why do you so put much? a toy in the kid's room and say don't play with that toy kid otherwise i'm gonna smack you in the head but if you play with it twice, I won't. Uh-huh. And there's, isn't there also what is that? the invisibility ring is actually just a w- ring of spell storing that just happens to have oh, charges. The <laughs> most boring kind of D&D in the world is like, it's not this thing I made up. It's this yeah. thing I made up instead. Ha ha ha. Right. Idiot. Yeah. You thought you learned something about a fantasy <laughs> world where actually you learned something wrong because I just made up something different. And it's just like, that's that's like the worst part of AD, AD&D specifically in my mind is that kind of stupid I didn't shit. really like the way the groaning spirit in the forest works where you basically if you show up and see it it scares you and you have to save or run away and then when you fight it mm-hmm. there's like a there's a on a roll of a one or a two y- you have to save versus death from its wail from the, it, it wailing and to <laughs> me it just felt like this weird gradient they're like okay so if you don't run away and you finally get it and you fight it you do roll a d6 and on a one or a two, you have to save or you are dead. <laughs> D&D, baby. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just not, I don't mind mm-hmm. de- deadliness, but I yeah. felt like it was just, um, in an odd way unbalanced. Like I, is the, yeah. is, are you, so how are you supposed to interact with this person that, um, you're clearly not supposed to interact with, but. You're, there's nothing else to do in this forest. It's literally the only thing right. to interact with in the forest. Um, so that was when you make this, when you make your game this cinematic, you are immediately introducing um, bad endings in things like that. Where it's just like if you're if you're going to go out of your way to make something like a movie, if a character dies because they encountered a random <laughs> ghost in a in the woods that has nothing to do with the rest right. of the plot, that's uh-huh. a, that's a stupid way to end a movie. Um, <laughs> However, it does have one of my favorite sentences of all time in any D&D module that we've read. And it's that um, there are wargs and they're hunting small, cute animals. Yeah, I love how like the last page, the writing just gets so much looser. And he's like, and he's like, if you don't find the assassin, he's lunch or something like yeah, that. It it's just like, gets so like, casual. It's like it was written by two different people. Yeah, small, cute animals. I will say there was one description I liked. I'm going to read this now. Dimly visible in the darkness is a crystal rock formation by the north wall. A fountain-like stream of water gushes forth from the rock and tumbles into a catch pool in front. Thousands of tiny lights wink and sparkle in the crystal rock formations like so many imprisoned fireflies. I thought that was a nice analogy. Oh, don't sell, don't sell your boy Stephen Bourne short. He's He contains multitudes mm-hmm. here. You know? Stephen Bourne does seem like sometimes he doesn't want to be writing this and other <laughs> times he's happy to be writing Yeah, this. he's like, what can I get away with? You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Okay, well, we'll, we'll want to do like intimate connections here. Yeah, you guys yeah, sure. think about how are you tweaking this? How are you changing it? How are you combining it with stuff? What do you, you know, think? It's so Prince Valiant. I agree. That about, uh-huh. But I, I feel like this is a, I would love to see a mythic Bastion land run through of this just to see what it was like. You know, just, I, I know because uh-huh. it's, it's fairly Arthurian, right? And yeah. Um, I, th- I think no. you don't feel it's Arthurian? It's not. No, no it's, it's just it's, castles. It's not Arthurian. Well, it's, it's not, castles it's, is Arthurian. It's next. It. It's not mythic. It's just like yeah, he, it's he's, more uh, Game of Thrones. That's why I'm that. saying it's, it's, it's more the lion and wind. That's what I'm saying okay. is that you you run it through Mythic Bashland and you, make it creepy. I see. You want you want to you want to add you would inject some myth right, into it. right. Or you'd have so, to have yes, mm-hmm. you'd have to I, have I so you'd have to do what you described earlier with making it like berserk. But um, I feel like if you looked at each of the castles as adventure sites and you really gave them their own like reason for being there like if you remove the quest entirely and just used the setting and the characters and then kind of maybe did some adventures in that environment and then over time slowly integrated the results of those adventures into the overall quest and then ran the quest that might be interesting so if you if you use the basically if you ran this in the time of um uh what's his name king halfred if you ran this like one year before and you just ran other adventures in this setting. And then mm-hmm. as it became more organic, you um, ran the quest proper. It might be more interesting. Mm, yeah. I like that. that. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. You got anything, Sam? Yeah. I think, I think I would, uh, I, I, I really like the idea of like focusing in on this as like a, like a full campaign setting, but yeah, like maybe putting some other stuff in there. Like I don't like, you know, a two castles and an Abbey is like, in a lot of ways it's kind of all you need for like a like a setting to like take shape like there's a lot that can be deduced around that and there's a lot that they don't do with this i think i would i think i would uh maybe run it using like break or something like that and like lean into the anime of it all a little bit uh, <laughs> and like sort of the silly the silly end of the spectrum um yeah. there's like you know i think there's a lot of fun that could be had there and also it would like liven the world up a little bit and like <laughs> force it to be a little bit more fantastical because it it when I read the first page, it was sort of, I was, I thought like I was like about to get into like, oh, this is going to be like the Lion in Winter or something like that. That's like very like conversational and politically driven. And like, we're going to be like agents working to like try and like, you know, get the right person on the throne kind of thing. But it's like, it's not that. It's like when it got to the, it's like, oh, and adventurers, you're supposed to go find the prince. You're not really. Mm-hmm. key in the way that I thought you were going to be key in this. And it was <laughs> like, oh, okay, this is like a different sort of thing, which is fine. Uh-huh. Um, and it's much more D and D thing to be like, okay, you're the rapscallions we've hired to like, you know, do this job. Like, mm-hmm. and the fact that you start at like level like four to eight, like it does suggest that you've been like kicking around here for a little while. And yeah. they go through all the ways that you like should have some connection to the guy that's giving you the quest first anyways because otherwise it wouldn't make sense that he's trusting yeah i was imagining some injecting some animeisms into this as well there's, there's so many knights i wanted like some like over the top flamboyant knights you know like i'm the knight of roses or i'm yes. a knight that always uses a whip you know i wanted these yes. like big dramatic personality knights to like you know f- you know formally challenge the party instead of these like oh yeah i'm standing in a tower and i have a sword kind of guys who you just see again and again 
The other thing you could totally do uh, is lean into the way that uh, these. This is, I mean, this is a, a far cry from anything that you would normally do, but like uh-huh. run it as like a trapped in a video game kind of thing. And so like now all of the scripted <laughs> Make events your isekai are part like, of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that guy is always sleeping because he was programmed that way. And like now that you have to like figure your way through the like the, uh-huh. the 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 next layer of that. That's my explanation for a lot of things. <laughs> have either of you ever heard of lit RPG? No. Okay. So the, the, I meet I meet a parent the other day, parent of one of my kids' friends, and he asks me, he he, I don't know. Someone mentions to him that like I like role playing games, and he goes, "Hey, do you know what lit RPG is?" And I said, "No." And he, basically, it's Ready Player One. It's any it's a it's a, an entire genre and has multiple subgenres of literature, in which the characters are in a video game or role playing game. And <laughs> okay, and so oh, is this just like the American term for isekai then? But they're in an actual video game, right? It's they're, not like in they're in an actual world. video game, exactly. Isekai just means another world, so a lot of it just is video game. But, okay, the, sure. but the characters <laughs> yeah. know is my point. They know, yeah, and there's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's, um, which I, yeah. I I'd never heard of it. Apparently, it's like a huge genre. I had no idea. Huh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I hadn't heard that term before. But like, yeah, I mean, the amount of things where like characters are aware that they are like in a video game, whether or not they're trapped, it's like, that's the whole like idea of the story is yeah. yeah. It's endless fountains of anime yeah. spewing that constantly. And also <laughs> outside of anime, like, you know, American Western media too. It's just like, it's, I think it, it's capturing an audience of people that are playing video games all their lives at this point. And like, you know, dot hack sort of started that trend. Uh-huh. Um, as in terms of like the modern sort of incarnation of it. But sure. Like, it's yeah, I mean it's huge. There's so much. I mean, I've 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 watched a fair bit of it myself as something of a weeb. And uh, <laughs> You're I gotta say, there's good versions and there's bad versions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Here's here's my connection, and I want to do real quick. Um, so yeah, insight into like the way I run RPGs is I give my players way too many uh, plot threads. And I say, you sort it out. You tell me like where you want to go. So there's always like, they're always grappling. I'm like, what's the main plot? They're always confused. And because there is none, you guys, you know, plot is whatever you choose to do, you know. So that said, I'm just going to cram another sandbox module on top of this one. Um, My idea about, you know, oh, it'd be cool if they had like hippogriffs or something so they could fly into a castle. Made me think of an adventure that has, I think it's, I can't remember if it's griffins or hippogriffs on a mountain. Uh, the Vanilla Adventure by Wind Lothamer. Um, I think it's getting a new edition soon with, uh, uh, anyway. That has that. So that adventure has like a hippogriff or whatever, griffin mountain. I think this adventure could totally work on top of another sandbox. That one's all about like these dragons are attacking from a mountain. There's like an imminent dragon apocalypse that you're trying to figure out. Why not? Like, I think put a bunch of weird dragon, um, distraction, like stuff, totally irrelevant locations, but like force them to work together. I think would strengthen both. Now we have other ways to interact. There's <laughs> towns that need a king because in this adventure there's like castles. We don't really see like people suffering because the the kingdom is in turmoil and the king is dead, right? Um great, get some settlements in here that are um yeah, the dragons are attacking. It'd be great if there was a king that was alive that could like help us get through this sort of thing. Um 
I think having two sandbox mashed on top of each other may only strengthen both of them. So that's what I would do, is I would reach for that one, the Vanilla Adventure. Um, I think that'd be cool. That would be That's simple. what I got. That's what I got. Um, so I think, is that it? Is that all we're talking about? Are we done? I, I think we're it, good. It does. I, I think there's a lot of possibility here. And that yeah. is, I think the, the times that I was just like, this is being mm-hmm. kind of like, the, a lot of this stuff could be summed up like on a page. Yeah. And then we could be like filling the rest of those, you know, 30 pages with like a lot more interesting things. I I have a stack of, you know, like dungeon adventures. I don't have a stack of good like castle <laughs> adventures, you know. I would love some hey, dungeon designers out there. I think we need more cool castles that we could plop in places. I've got a you know? I've got a castle adventure that I've been sort of kicking around. Here we go. We should talk about as Here we go. Uh, as we're as we're getting somewhere, should we should we say? Should we say? Well, we're, I mean, Sam and I have been working on a little funhouse dungeon. It's nearing the completion of first draft, I would say. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's, in, it's in its alpha phase, like towards the end of its alpha phase. That's right. Um, uh-huh. And but yeah, the uh, I've got a the yeah I've got a, an idea for a castle that I think would be pretty cool. But, sweet, uh, yeah, sweet. Because yeah, I agree. Not enough castles in D and D, which is show me the weird. castles. Show me yeah. the castles. Um, it's cause I'd love to swap out one of these boring castles with a cool castle. It'd be really easy to be like, here's a different castle that has the one important thing in it. That is the whole point of the castle. You know, it's one room you'd have to swap. Um, so that would be fun. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to between two Cairns. We are on Patreon at patreon.com slash between two Cairns. And you can also find our discord channel on the Cairn discord. The music to this show was written by Bobby McKelver and the spoiler slash uh, Mootsack bumpers are by Direct Sun. Uh, thank you all for listening and we'll see you all next week. Yep. Keep on yeah. smooch smudging on the flippy side, right, y'all? That's yeah, what we fo- say. Follow here. me on Instagram. Oh, yeah, oh, Sam. Tell right. us tell us about you again. Yeah, it's better underscore legends. Uh, Boost my numbers. Get, get, like and get subscribe. Hit like the bell as well. Go subscribe to my Patreon. I've been doing a lot of lore stuff recently. I don't. It's I don't gate it behind it. Goblin anyway. week, huh? It's Goblin week. Um, I actually haven't been doing a lot of. I, I did my Goblin week stuff like a couple weeks ago. And then, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> well, we appreciate having you on, Sam, and I hope to have you on again we have to pick a new module uh, whose turn is it by the way it's uh yours yeah. i think it's yours you excellent yeah excellent uh-huh. excellent wait maybe it's that no no it's mine it's mine okay uh thank you all and <laughs> we will see you all next week goodbye yep bye hey <laughs> bye bye